when somebody preaches a sermon, like I'm going to bring a message that I've um, pondered over and prayed over. Obviously, I have done that, always do, do that. And uh, when we have sermons here at Real Life Church, we really take it very, very seriously. But what you've got to remember is when we say we're hearing from the Word of God, we're always referring back to the Word of God. And so when I preach a sermon, the sermon's not on the same level as the Word of God. I may be a preacher, but my job is, is to flesh out and present to you what the, this is the Word of God. Everybody, you know, everybody understand that? And let's be honest about it. In this sermon, my personality is entwined in it. It's unavoidable. I also have some biases. And if you've been around me long enough, you, you would know what they are. I have the same jokes I repeat constantly. And some of you are still polite enough to laugh. Because I'm a man and I'm flawed and I'm just the same as everybody else. But somehow, some way, God anoints a person who sincerely teaches the Word of God and God speaks to us through that. But it doesn't mean every single thing I say. I might express an opinion about politics, which I do try to avoid, um, and other things. It doesn't mean because I'm a pastor that I'm right about everything. Does everybody understand that? Rochelle will tell you I'm constantly wrong about most things. <laughs> But what we are doing, and it's really important, and this is, the Bible really emphasizes, and the Apostle Paul, you know, he would preach, and the idea is to teach and flesh out what the Holy Scriptures say to us today. And this is the other thing. The Bible is an ancient book, but it's as relevant today as it always has been. And this is the Word of God. You know, you can't just rely on Sunday sermons. You've got to read the Bible for yourself. If you want to know Jesus, you've got to read the Bible for yourself. So I just wanted to say that because we use Christian jargon and language and sometimes it can misrepresent what we're saying. Father, we do pray for our message right now. We just pray, Lord, that Jesus will be lifted up. And Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, just blow upon our hearts and we pray we'll hear the rhema, the now word of God coming to every one of us, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we also thank you that we've all had educations so we can actually read. Thank you for our eyes. Thank you for the Bible that's on our devices or in our hands. What an honor it is to have the Bible. And we give you all the praise, honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 On Christmas Day in, in 2021, which was not that long ago, the $10 billion James Webb telescope was launched into space on an Ariane 5 rocket, which is a very large rocket, to take its position 1.5 million kilometers away from Earth. This telescope's job is to observe the universe and send back the photographs and data, all that information back to the Earth. And should the telescope, it was $10 billion, get, get damaged, or break down is simply too far away to repair. They can't repair it if it breaks down. Nonetheless, the James Webb, Webb Telescope is a remarkable piece of technology. So that's a photograph. That's not in space. That's just an artist's impression of it. And it took years. Actually, it took decades to design and build. And it's functioning very well. And so the telescope part, part is that yellow part. Can you see that? The bit that it sits on, that's actually sails. And those sails are facing the sun to keep the heat away from the telescope. The telescope's not glass. It's actually a thin layer of salt 
that it uses on the telescope. And it operates in a temperature something like about 230 degrees below zero. How about that? So it's very cold there. Its high resolution and high sensitivity, sensitivity instruments allow it to view objects that are too old, that are very far away or faint for the famous Hubble telescope um, that you've all heard about. Everybody heard about the Hubble telescope? That one sits just above the Earth's atmosphere, about 530 kilometers above uh, the Earth. And so cosmologists, astronomers, and astrophysicists, they were so excited and bursting with excitement when the James Webb telescope was launched. Now, most cosmologists and astronomers believe in the Big Bang. I would suspect that most people here would have heard about the Big Bang, probably. Uh, The Big Bang is a theory that describes how the universe came into existence. The basic idea of the Big Bang is this, is that 13.8 billion years ago, which is a long time ago, the universe burst forth from a single tiny point and magically over billions of years, produced all the stars, galaxies, and life, and ultimately you, that we observe today. And so based upon the Big Bang Theory, secular astronomers and cosmologists, they made these predictions about what they expected the James Webb Telescope to discover about the universe. They said that the James Webb Telescope would be able to see back to near the beginning of the Big Bang, Now, let me explain how they would do that. And I don't want to make too many comments about it because I've got other things I want to say. But what they say is when you look at a star that is four light years away, when it arrives on the Earth, you could see um, four years into the past. Does everybody understand? Remember how we learned that at school? And so if this telescope can look to 13 billion years into the past, then it should be able to see um, the beginnings of the Big Bang. And so they predicted that the James Webb Telescope will see the original baby galaxies. Nobody's ever seen one before. They said, we're going to see galaxies forming and we will see stars forming out of the primeval cosmic dust storm of the Big Bang. That's what they predicted. They publicized it. Everybody knew what they were predicted. And this is what the majority of cosmologists predicted. And they predicted it according to their beliefs about the origins of the universe. But there were some Christian cosmologists and there were some Christian astronomers who really annoy the secular astronomers and cosmologists. And some of these actually worked on the James Webb telescope. In fact, James James Webb himself, I'm not sure if he was a Christian, but he was a a very good man. And um, anyway, it's another story. But these Christian astronomers, they made their predictions about what the James Webb telescope would find. And these Christian cosmologists predicted that, and this is just a couple of years ago, that the James Webb Telescope will only see fully formed galaxies. It will not see baby galaxies, and it will see fully formed stars, just like all of the other galaxies that we see today, including our own, the Milky Way. Their prediction was based not upon the Big Bang. Their prediction was based upon the Bible's description of the origins of the universe. And so the James Webb Telescope was launched on Christmas Day 2021 
and it was positioned in space and then it had to cool down. It had to be the right temperature and there's all this technology involved with that. And then around about 2022, it started scanning the universe in just a little tiny space. And, um, and what would be interesting, what they did do is they got it to scan dark areas of the universe that we, it just is dark to all of our telescopes, including the Hubble telescope. And what the James Webb telescope discovered is that in this dark space, it could see so far away that there's billions of galaxies everywhere. And so it started to feed all of this data back to Earth in mid-2022. And ladies and gentlemen, there, are a lot, there were a lot of surprised scientists. I'm choosing my words very carefully because I'm online. <laughs> the James Webb Telescope could not find the immature baby galaxies or new stars forming that the secular Big Bang astronomers had predicted. They just weren't there. Instead, the telescope found galaxies that are fully mature and developed. And no stars were found to be forming, no baby stars. And so the Christian cosmologists were found to be right with their Bible-based predictions. The observable, observable data from the $10 billion telescope is in line with what the Bible says about creation That is an indisputable fact. So clearly the Big Bang model that has been still taught in our schools and universities as fact has some huge problems and needs to be withdrawn from the education system. The truth is, the universe is not, or sorry, the universe did not begin 13.8 billion years ago. It did not involve into what we have today. That's absurd. Rather, according to the Bible, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, when I was at school, which was a long time ago, during the 1800s when we had the horse and cart, (laughs) during the 1960s and 70s, when I was at school, I was taught that a star, some of you younger people here are taught this, you were taught that a star was birthed in the swelling gas of a nebula. Who can remember being taught that? I believed that what I was taught at school about star formation um, was true because it was a teacher, teacher's never wrong, and uh, because of what the scientists said was true. I believe that was true. But what they said about the stars was simply not true. And even today, the school curriculums continue to perpetuate the same mistruths about the formation of stars. This really is a big deal. The brutal truth is this. No astrophysicist, no astronomer, no cosmologist in all of history has yet ever seen a star forming anywhere. That's an indisputable fact. What secular astronomers do is, and I'm headed somewhere with this, so try and stay with me because I know not a lot of you are interested in astronomy. But listen, (laughs) what they do is this, is they presume how a star came to exist And they make it sound like it's true. They do this because they're desperately clinging with religious fervor to a biased concept about the origins of the universe that does not include Almighty God. But their presumptions are based on ideas and flawed mathematical models and not upon observable facts and data. 
And ladies and gentlemen, this happens across lots of disciplines, often more times than what people realize. However, the Bible says this. The Bible says that on the fourth day of creation, that God also made the stars. And even in the morning passed and came, marking the fourth day. The stars all came into existence on the fourth day of creation. It says this in the scriptures. God says, It was my hand that laid the foundations of the earth, my right hand that spread out the heavens above. When I call out the stars, they all appear in order. The Bible says this, Isaiah 45. I am the one who made the earth and created people to live on it. With my hands, I stretched out the heavens. All the stars are at my command. Ladies and gentlemen, at Real Life Church, God made the universe complete with all of its galaxies and stars on day four of the creation week. But this is my point. How remarkable is it that the Bible that was written all those years ago <laughs> centuries ago how remarkable is it that the bible can be used to accurately predict what the james webb telescope can find today it's an ancient book how did it know how could that be that this ancient book could describe what this telescope would see how can an ancient book know about these things well second timothy 3:16 that we heard earlier says this about the bible all scripture is God breathed. God is the author behind the authors. God was there at the beginning. You weren't. I wasn't. He was. No one else was around to see what was happening, but God saw what was happening. And that's why God knows what's happened. And that's why it's recorded in the book of Genesis. That's a good place to say amen, actually. He was there. And besides, God knows everything anyway. Therefore, the Bible itself reminds us about itself. The Bible says this, Psalm 33, verse 4, For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything that He does. For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything He does. Then out of Psalm 19, this is what the Bible says, The word of the Lord, or the instructions of the Lord, are perfect. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. I'm talking about the Bible. The commandments of the Lord are right. The commands of the Lord are clear. And the laws of the Lord are true. That's the Bible. Nonetheless, the Bible continues to be attacked, scrutinized and ridiculed by those who refuse to acknowledge God. Yet over and over and over again, the critics have to eat their own words because the Bible is always found to be correct, accurate and true. And that's another place to say amen. Amen. Now, the greatest commandment in the Bible is this. Some of you should know it. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart or your soul and See that bit in, in, that I bolded there? And all your, all your mind. Please note that God expects us to use our minds as part of our worship of Him. When we approach God, we don't, when we come to church, we should not leave our brains at the door. We bring our thinking to Him as well as our hearts. We worship with our brain as well as the heart. Amen. And so listen to this, and this is really important. 
as Christians, we can be intellectually confident that God's word holds up under all manner of intellectual scrutiny. And we should not allow ourselves to be intimidated by those who attempt to ridicule the Bible as something that is silly. I'll tell you what that is silly, is believing in the Big Bang. That is actually embarrassingly silly. Now, not only is the Bible true and accurate, but it's had a profound impact upon the world. More than probably any of us realise. Even Australia's system of government that we all enjoy today has been influenced by the Bible. The great document, the Magna Carta, some of you have heard of that. It's a very important document. There's a copy of it, the 1297 copy or 67. Actually, there's four of them in the world and one of them actually is in the Australian Parliament. This great document lies at the heart of our Australian parliamentary democracy. The rule of law that we have in this land that's based upon the Ten Commandments, the freedom of speech, and all the benefits of our democracy have come from this document called the Magna Carta. But what people don't realise is the Magna Carta was written by the Archbishop of Canterbury in 1215. It's a wonderful history. It's a medieval document that confirmed the rule of law. The principle that nobody, not even the monarch, is above the law. And so the Holy Bible, especially the book of Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, especially the book of Leviticus, is the authority on which the Magna Carta was written, and now we have our democracy today. You could trace our foundations of our democracy back to the book of Leviticus. A lot of people don't even know that. That's why Australia's been such a blessed country in times gone by. All the atheists in Australia who rant and rave against the Bible actually enjoy benefits as come to them by the very Bible that they criticise. Our schools, our universities are available for everyone and not just the rich and you know, special families. It's available for everyone because of the influence of the Bible. Hospitals and charities exist in our culture today because of the influence of the Bible. You don't see too many Muslim charities around the world. You don't see many atheistic charities around the world. But you see lots of Christian charities across the world. Without the Bible's influence upon the minds and hearts of people, there would not be so many charities that we have in Australia today. Christians are wonderful people. Christians are the light of the world. We want to care for our fellow man. That's why we have charities. Christians are like that because the Bible's influenced their hearts. Till recent times, science was also heavily influenced by the Bible. Many of great history's great scientists like Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton is considered the greatest scientist of all time. He, he was a Christian. And Pascal, these were people who believed in the Bible and they believed in creation as described in Genesis 1. So ladies and gentlemen, all of this information about the Bible is wonderful and I, could, I don't want to do it, but I could talk for hours about all of this. It's, the Bible is just wonderful. It's a wonderful book. It's a gift from heaven. Thank God that the Bible has impacted the world. But it's most wonderful when the Bible impacts our own lives. I'm glad about the charities. I'm glad about the hospitals. I'm glad about the James Webb Telescope. But I'm more glad when the Bible impacts my life today. Jesus said, and you read it, 
You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said that verse because right now there is a battle for truth. And that battle has been running for centuries. In fact, the battle for truth first started at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. The serpent, Satan, questioned Adam and Eve about what God had said to them about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan lied to Eve, Eve. And he presented a new but false narrative about God. There's a lot of false narratives floating around in our society today. Beware of the false narratives. He, he, this is the first false narrative that Satan introduced about God. And Adam and Eve had to decide. They had to decide what was true. After all, Satan's opinion seemed so compelling. It seemed real. It seemed to make sense. The fruit on the tree looked so inviting. And so instead of casting Satan down, which they could have done with the authority that God had given them, Adam and Eve, they believed him. They believed his words and they became conquered by a lie. Satan's lie conquered them. And lies are deadly. Lies are deadly. Wars are fought over lies. And families split up over lies. Marriages break down because of lies. And they lost, Adam and Eve lost their battle for truth. And they became imprisoned by sin. They lost their place in the Garden of Eden. And eventually they lost their lives because lives because of Satan's lie. Lies, mistruths, false narratives kill and they destroy. That's why we shouldn't tell lies. We should teach our children, don't tell lies. It really is a big deal. And the battle for truth continues today across many fronts. That's why the Bible is constantly attacked so much. Satan hates the Bible. He hates the Bible. He hates the truth. And just as Satan conquered Adam and Eve with a lie, he endeavors to do the same with every human being on the planet. He's working to do the same with you. And this is why Jesus warned us about Satan when he said this, that Satan was a murderer. He's a murderer. He's a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Every perpetuation of a false narrative is dangerous. However, the antidote for the lies of Satan is the truth of God. And it's God's truth that sets you through. Free from the power of Satan's lies. And thank God that the truth of God comes to us both as a person and as the Bible. The truth comes to us as a person and as the Bible. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is that person. Jesus Christ is the living truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Without knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, there is no way you could ever be delivered from the damage that the lies of Satan have caused you. Only in Christ can we overcome and win the battle for truth. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus Christ is also called the Word of God. John 1 verses 1 and part of verse 14 together says, In the beginning the Word already existed. That's talking about Jesus. The Word was with God and the Word was 
was God. I said most translations are good translations, but the, um, uh, the Jehovah's Witness translation is an aberration of the original scriptures. Where it says on your screen there, look to your screen, it says, and the word was God. If you read a, um, if you read a Jehovah's Witness Bible, it, say, it will say, and the word was a God. But in the original translations, in the original scriptures, manuscripts of the Bible, it clearly says, and the word was God. So the word became human, that's Jesus, and made his home among us. Jesus is the living word of God. But the Bible is the written word of God. Jesus is the living word of God. The Bible is the written word of God. Jesus and the Bible are in perfect harmony. Jesus is truth and the Bible is truth. Jesus is the word and the Bible is the word. So to overcome the lies of Satan, I need to have Jesus Christ in my heart. I need to have a a relationship with Jesus, but I need to have the Bible in my life. You can't have one without the other. I must have Jesus in my heart and the Bible in my brain. I must have Jesus in my heart and the Bible in my mind and in my thinking. The Bible tells you the truth about God and His mercy and His love for you. The Bible is God's salvation story. That's the main theme of the Bible. It tells you about sin. It tells you about salvation. It tells you about heaven. And there is a heaven, everybody. It tells you about hell. It tells you about the future and how to be a, live a rich and satisfying life today. The Bible is wisdom for living. The Bible opens your eyes to the truth. Praise the Lord. And right now, every one of you, you're in a battle. I know that you are because I'm in it too. There's a battle that goes on between our ears every day. That's where the battle is. It's in our thinking. There's a battle going on in the inside of our heads. And it's a constant situation. There are lies, mistruths, false narratives, messing around with you inside your head about all sorts of subjects. You think about dumb things. You have unhealthy thoughts. Somebody upsets you and you have a very unhealthy thought, you know? You do. And all of that, you know, comes from the evil one who seeks to disrupt your life and to discourage you. Your discouragement comes about what you're thinking about. Yeah. But God has given you his written word, the sword of the spirit. Remember we spoke about that? Draw swords. So you can know the truth and kick out those compelling lies that are messing around with you. The Bible says this, I'm nearly finished. It says, Romans 12, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And the way you change into a new person is through opening your heart to Jesus Christ and by feeding your mind upon the Holy Scriptures. God has new thoughts for your mind. He's got unbelievable thoughts for your mind. My, new thoughts that will revolutionize, revolutionize your life. God has new thinking for your mind. And you know, you never, you never cease. You know, as you read the scriptures, you never come to an end where you've learned everything. Even this weekend, I, I really felt the Lord renewing my mind. I'm reading scriptures that I'm familiar with, and I think, oh, I didn't see that before. It's almost like the Holy Spirit emphasizes something, and it's just, just, and then it percolates into your heart. And you think, thank you, Jesus. I needed that thought today. The Bible has influenced the world. But if you open your life to what the Bible has to say, 
It will influence you. Absolutely it will. And it will transform you into the person that God desires you to be. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So in conclusion, when you devote yourself to the regular reading of the Bible, then those words of Jesus will be true for you. It's funny, isn't it? The James Webb $10 billion telescope today is scanning the universe, continues to devote all of its attention to the magnificent universe that God has created. But God's not looking at the universe today. His attention is upon you. He looks to you. He sees you. You're more important to God than all the spectacular galaxies and stars that fill the universe. And he invites you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, let's stand to our feet, everybody. Praise the Lord. Oh, the Lord's been good to us. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're just about to finish in a couple of minutes. But the Holy Spirit is here. And I know a lot of people here today. I don't know everybody. And I'm just, thank you for coming. I thank you for listening uh, to the message today. I really appreciate that. Thank you. But every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you, are you right with God? Does Jesus live in your heart? Have you had your sins forgiven and washed away? Are you right with God? Well, if you're not sure, I'll tell you whether you know you're right with God or not. Here's a little test. Here's a little test. If you died right now and your heart stopped beating, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? If you don't know whether you're going to go to heaven or not, and there's some doubt about that, that means you're not really right with God. Maybe you'd responded to God at some point, but the devil came and lied to you and said, oh, you're just a lousy person and kind of stole away your faith in God. Well, God loves you. He cares for you. wants to wash your sins away today. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Put your faith in Jesus Christ today. Jesus died on the cross, rose again from the dead, so you could have the gift of eternal life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Pastor, would you say a prayer for me? I've really got my doubts. Oh, I've never done this before. Would you pray for me as I open my heart to God? Would you pray for me that Jesus will forgive me of my sins and come into my life? I'd love to do that for you. Could you give me a wave of your hand? If you Just stay where you are, but give me a wave where you are and just let me know who I'm going to pray for. But I've got to see your hand right up in the air. God bless you down the back there. God bless you. People, you're down the back. Thank you as well. Anybody else? Just give me a wave. Yeah, God bless you, sir. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just and go down the back. Whoever that is. God bless you. Hey, God bless you. Hey, and God bless you too. Now, this is what we're going to do. Uh, I just, just felt compulsion. Is that okay? You guys who raise your hands, would you come to me at the front right now? Just come. Come. I know who you are, so now I know who you are. Come. 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 I'm not going to hurt you, but I'm going to pray with you. I just feel we just actually need to do this. You come. You can both come. Come close to me. Glorify. 
God bless you, darling. It's good to see you in church today. Hey, I'm really glad you made it. Everybody, could you just reach out your hands to these wonderful people at the front? Hey, these guys have got lots of courage to come out the front. So thank you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer to help everybody, all of us, and, and especially those of you at the front. This is your moment. Holy Spirit is here. He just loves you. Forget everybody who's behind you. Forget about the persons to either side of you. This is you and God. This, is, this day will define the rest of your life as you put your faith in Jesus. And should, when that day comes, that you, your heart does stop, because of what happened today, as you reach out to God and God reaches down to you, because of what happens today, you have eternal life. You will go to heaven. You'll be with the Lord forever and ever because you have faith in Jesus Christ. So come on, especially those of you at the front. Don't worry about nobody else, but all of us together, if we could repeat this prayer. Almighty God. Okay, we're going to do that again just a little bit louder. You ready? Almighty God. I come to you today. And I have sin in my heart. And I'm not right with you. So I ask for mercy today. I put my trust in Jesus. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. Give me a clean heart. Give me a fresh start. Come into my life. Please be my Savior. My deliverer. My God. I let go of the past. And I hold on to Jesus today. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing this prayer. And everybody said, Father, we just pray right now for those at the front. This is a holy moment this Sunday morning. And I pray you'll keep them. I pray you protect them. I pray as they go home and it might feel different at home to what it is at church. But Lord, you're still with them at home when they go to school, work, or whatever it is they do. Lord, I just pray you'll ambush them with peace and joy. We thank you for them today. We bless them today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. amen. Could you give everybody a big hand as they return to the seats? God bless you. God bless you, sir. Thank you.